Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. All right. Let's get to it. We argued about it a little bit. Was it yesterday? I um I understand the way the vast majority of people think. What my main, even though I disagree with them, I, I my main my main beef with what the majority of you think is that you totally dismiss that the other side is more logical. Like it's okay if you disagree with me on this subject. But at least admit that it's very possible that the other side is more logical. It makes more sense. And what I'm talking about was the debate that we had about whether, what kind of effort should the Lakers have given last night? It kind of goes back to the, we were talking about this earlier this week on a very different kind of scenario that sound things certain things sound good but that doesn't mean they're right like it sounds good that I want every one of my players running hard to first base every time they make contact with the ball no it sounds good it's great when you can have the Craig Biggios of the world who can play 20 years and do that, but very few athletes do you want to do that. I don't want my guys running as hard as they can to first base every time they hit the ball. Now, I don't want in a, you know, if it's two outs and there's a runner on third and if you just hustle down to first base, you're going to beat out a play and then get an RBI, that's different. But I'm talking about there are cases constantly through the year I do not care how hard you – I don't even – it's not that I don't even care. I don't want certain guys running hard. I don't – what good does it do for Candy to run hard to first base with two outs and nobody on on a ground ball to short? Is there some 2% chance that the guy's going to bobble the ball and if he hustled even even though he can't run, he'll be saved? Yeah, but it's just – it's I think two percent's high on those. Yeah. Percentage. So it sounds good. Oh, you got to try all the time. You got to give a hundred and ten percent. That's not lot. That's not wise. So I understand how the vast majority of America in the sports public was turned off by the notion of how can you have load management. In the playoffs, well, 
because it's the smart, logical, wise thing to do. And here's the way I look at it. First of all, you have to have the ability to understand what a medicine game or a medicine season is. You have you just have to have that concept enter your mind. For instance, it's it's not that different for years. I argued when you're when you're a running back and you're running towards the goal line and it's at the end of a game, fall down. And I remember when we first started arguing about this 10, 12, 15 years ago, whenever it was, and people would like, are you crazy? You could fumble on the next play. Absolutely. You could also uh, have the other offense drive down and kick a field goal and beat you. Way better chance of that happening. Way better. And the logic behind both of these scenarios is you want to maximize your best opportunities. You want to maximize your strength. So here's the logic of most of America in this Lakers warrior situation. Here's the logic that of most of America. I want to I want to maximize my less opportunity and minimize my best opportunity. Think about that. How logical is that? I think all of us would agree that the Lakers have a much going into last night's game. I think all of us would agree that the Lakers have a better had a better chance of winning game six at home than winning game five at Golden State. Would we at least agree on that? Like a way better chance going into last night of winning game six than game five. So here's the logic of most of America. Just think about this. The logic is I want to maximize my lesser opportunity and minimize my best opportunity to win. And that's exactly what the Lakers did last night. They minimized... They reduced their best chance of winning by kind of giving yourself somewhat of a hope, Candy beating out her play at first base, but by somehow giving myself a little better hope in my way lesser opportunity. Yeah, I, that, I, That's totally illogical to me. Nah, okay, I don't know, because you're assuming that playing hard in this game will reduce their ability to play hard in the next game. I was okay with the Lakers doing what they were doing just because of the circumstance that they have a lot of veteran guys, that LeBron clearly has shown you that he's not going to give you everything every night. He doesn't have that in the tank anymore. I think under most team circumstances, like when you're a professional athlete in your 20s, in your prime of your career, I think you can play hard one night and then play hard two nights later. I was okay with the Lakers potentially doing it in this situation because of how many veteran guys, and mainly LeBron, and Anthony Davis with his injury situations. Yeah, he never gets hurt, that guy, Anthony Davis. So no, there really yeah. was no chance of him getting hurt, right? Right. But but so and, and, I and here's what I don't buy before I let you continue. Here's what I, I heard someone say it today, and it's a it's it's a complete joke of a comment. Well, that's just Monday morning quarterbacking. Well, no, that's not Monday morning quarterbacking. That's telling you ahead of time, don't do it. It's the opposite of Monday morning quarterbacking. But go ahead. Yeah, no, I just think 
So the stati- like how much of a statistical probability increase do you have from resting guys and then having them play 100% in game 6 versus just the added probability of having a chance to win game 5 in which you have a chance to win game 5 and you still have a chance to win game 6 and you still have a chance to win game 7. I'm okay with them trying to win the game last night. But I would have been okay with them backing off. And I said this on RP3 and Company. I was watching that game closely. When Steph Curry hits a 30-foot shot to make it 17-5 to early, I thought they were going to call it off. But the Lakers fought and got back in it. I mean, that's just – and I don't fault them for doing that. We had our, our sports awards banquets last night at, at, the, uh, at the Advocate. And so I, get, I got back, I don't know, 9-something, 9 9.30. 10 o'clock, whatever it was. Um, and when I turned it on, I think they were down 15. And I'm like, oh, no. In the third – no, it was second quarter. And then I watched the that in the third quarter. And it was like third quarter, they're down 15. I said, this is not good. This is not good for the Lakers. Because they're, they're too close in, to probably in their mind call it off. And it's going to bite him. So what happens? I get up this morning and Anthony Davis is hurt. I mean, it's just like, well, no, were you, how did you, wh- how did I know? Because he's Anthony Davis. Yeah, but he could have gotten. Like, why are you, why, again, I understand everyone disagreeing with this logic. But the the thing that I don't get is how can people not understand how illogical it is to minimize your your maximum opportunity and try to in an effort to maximize your uh, very small opportunity in a medicine well, game. Well, okay, so look at it from a percentage. And the the problem is that we don't have like concrete numbers on those percentages to really have the statistical analysis conversation, but. What is the maximum increase of percentage chance you have to win Game Six by resting your guys? Is it a, is it a five percent increase, a ten percent increase? I would say at most something like along those lines. Whereas you had, let's say, at least a thirty or forty percent chance to win Game Five anyway, even though you're on the road. I think is also realistic to say. And if you don't play hard, you're then going from thirty to forty percent to zero to get the extra 5 to 10%. So like we now again we don't have numbers that can tell us how much Okay, they they, they don't do this much anymore. But until they revamp their NBA schedule, what do you think from a betting perspective? What kind of odds did you get on playing the third game of a three-game road trip or three games in 4 days? I, I, that that third game the, the team on the road, when they used to do that a whole lot more than they do now. What kind of odds you think Las Vegas gave in that? How much did that factor? Well, why does it matter? Because you got to play the game. Yeah, well, certainly a certain percentage. But what I'm saying you is, you bet on that game heavily. I don't think you're giving away, and I just don't think it's it it's as again. I'm okay with the Lakers, especially in their circumstances, right. doing it if they would have done it. But I also understand the idea and the factor of, of like once again, like we talked about. If we get a guy who hits a couple of shots here, all of a sudden we're right back in it. The Knicks looked like they were going to be out of that game against Miami. They hit a couple of shots. Now, obviously, they had to win because they were facing elimination. But Miami, I don't know if they called off the dogs or anything, but Jimmy Butler certainly didn't play with as much urgency and aggression as he has in recent games. So I see both sides of it. I think there's also just this, this, this point where when you're the team that's up 3-1, it's just almost impossible to play with as much focus as the team down 1-3. Especially just, a team that has achieved way more, especially in, like this was the poster child to do it. Now, I'll say this.
from the quarter and a half or so that I saw and then looking at the box score and seeing some of the highlights, I I, I really think the Lakers messed up because Golden State is not playing at a really high level right now. Like they were supposed to blow the Lakers out last night. So I think the fact that they were the fact that they didn't get completely blown out and you know the, the Golden State did not play this great game cuz they didn't play a great game. They played, you know, obviously very well. Tells me they were even more vulnerable than I thought and and they had an even way better chance of winning game 6 if they had done the right thing. Than, than even I thought going in. And so I really think the Lakers are. Now, I'm not saying they can't win game six. I'm saying they greatly reduce their chances of winning game six. And we'll see. And, and so far, by the way, the, the news on Davis seems optimistic. Uh, everybody seems to think he's okay. As long as he avoided the concussion issue, of course, that's you know kind of an automatic rule out. They're saying they think he avoided that. So, I mean, it's looking like he's he's got a good chance to play. So we will see that now. Uh, a series that we'll see tonight. Chris Paul has already been ruled out, which I've been confused. Why do they keep ruling Chris Paul out like two days before the game? Is it not that is he that far off from coming back? Where they Are don't they want really to wait better till... with him? I think so. Yeah, I think there's times in a in a in a series like this where they still have some guys who haven't played together. Where if you're struggling offensively, Chris Paul can slow things down for you. I think on the road shots. they're probably a little better than him, but at home I don't know if they're better than him. Without well, him. we'll see. I I think if they get to Game Seven, they would really like to have. But uh, but again, I mean, I I just him being ruled out a full day before the game, like not even going through. You know, sometimes guys will go through warmups and see if they can give it a shot. Him getting ruled out that early for tonight's game yesterday afternoon makes me think he's farther than we even think. But we'll LeBron see. LeBron played thirty nine minutes last night. Well, and Jimmy Butler played forty three minutes in that game, which was you know I sat there and said once you were down. Now again, like I don't fault them for trying to win the game, and and the Heat had a chance to get back in it, but. It's tough now. He's going to have to come back. But there's a difference Jimmy Butler and LeBron James. Oh, certainly, yes. All right, we'll take a timeout. Stevie P on the other side. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us. Our friend, Mr. Stevie Pelliquin, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Cat. I, I was kind of debating amongst myself whether or not I should be on with you today after you disrespected Melissa Manchester yesterday. But you know, I'm I'm a good guy. So how, how did I, I disrespect her? Because you 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 said the more uh, you Midnight Blue, Cat. That was Marine McGovern from the Poseidon Adventure. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I was wrong. Yes, you're right. Call. Cool. Can't do yeah. that, cat. Can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> can't, dis- can't disrespect Melissa Manchester or the uh, uh, or the Midnight Express. Oh, okay, right? I got. Oh, okay, I got you. All right. So first of all, let's start with this. Last weekend, you threw out the first pitch um, at uh, at Lamson Park. Uh, tell us about that. It had to be fun. 
uh, 75 miles per hour, a uh, lot of movement right to left. Uh, so we pissed close, had no chance to catch it. Very simple. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, uh, uh, you know, it, it, uh, obviously that was for, for UL softball. And, you know, the, 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 the biggest thing that, you know, people ask me what's the, the biggest achievement of your broadcasting career. And it's putting UL softball on the air uh, every game on the radio. You know, it was the first program uh, to accomplish that. Alabama was the second. Uh, and nobody has been third, <laughs> you know. So it, it, you know, it really is amazing. All the big programs, uh, you know, other programs they don't even bother doing college softball nowadays until basketball is over with. And you know, that's not just me. I mean, you know, let, let's face it, Kevin, it's not a public service. You you have to have interest in it. So there's a lot of people to thank for that, namely the softball program, because if they wouldn't have been, you know, good all those years. Not as many people would be paying attention. And who are those people? You know, the fans. You know, so, you know advertisers uh, want to sell their product to the fans. And, you know, people I work with, general managers, um, you know, colleagues, all of those had a lot to do with putting every inning of every game on the uh, on the radio. And, again, I'm, I'm proud of that because that's something that will never be done again. I mean, there can only be one number one. You know, Babe Ruth was the first to hit 700 home runs. Yeah, there was others after him, but there can only be one first. And, you know, UL softball first, I was a part of that. So, uh, yeah, tremendously proud of that. All right. I was going to not do this right off the top, but since you brought that up, so many of those fans who are really into it, in my opinion, seem to be selling this program short with their mentality. And, again, it does not matter what we think. It only matters what the – what the committee thinks, but the debate is, you know, it's part of the process. You debate and argue subjects. I, um, I think this is the one program at the university. I would think probably the only one that I, I think you always have to swing for the fences in your mentality with Cajun softball. And what I mean by that, it's more important for me to try to get to the World Series, if you're asking me my opinion on what I want to happen, than to try to win a regional. Where do you fall on that subject? I'm with you. I mean, I think the goal is to to make it to the College World Series. Right now, you know, I know some people are skeptical. I get that. You know, uh, uh, Minnesota, James Madison, you know, those programs have gotten the short end of the stick when it has come to Selection Sunday in seeding over the years. But, you know, right now uh, the Cajuns have an RPI of number nine. So I think they're in good position to host. Now, the NCAA Selection Committee doesn't necessarily go by RPI rankings all the time. And there's no guarantee that they're going to put them at, uh, at number nine. But to go along with what you're saying – if they would, I think it would be perfect. Why? Because if they're seeded number nine overall, who would they play in the second round? Number eight seed, which right now is Northwestern. So you're avoiding, you know, those three top five teams. The Cajuns, they made the um, uh, the 2008 uh, College World Series uh, when they were uh, a nine uh, overall number nine seed, and Houston was a number eight seed. The Cajuns went over there to Houston and the and won that game. The last time they went to the College college World Series was 2014 when uh, they hosted a Super Regional. But, yeah, if you're going to host 
which I think that they're going to do. Uh, no guarantee, but I think they're going to do. But I also think that they're likely to go on the road in the second round. I see them being, you know, seated anywhere from nine to to fourteen. And if you go on the road, you want to avoid those those major programs. So no, I'm I'm totally with you in that. I mean, it would be nice for them to win a, a regional because they haven't won a regional in a while. Uh, I get that, but their goal, and I think this program is at the point where, yeah, winning a regional is nice, and you never want to overlook that. But the goal should be to get to the College World Series, and I think the easiest way to get there, uh, you know, right now is to be seated, you know, uh, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, somewhere in that range. Well, I, to look, I, 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 my goal is to not be sixteen, fifteen, or fourteen. You know, twelve yeah. or thirteen is is what I'm hoping for. I'm not even considering nine, ten, or eleven. I mean, you really think that's even a remote possibility? I, I don't. I don't put. I don't give the committee any chance of being that fair. What do, do I think it's going to happen? No, but I do think there's a remote possibility because their RPI is nine, and their strength of schedule is you know in the top five. Uh, they've done everything that you could possibly do. I mean, really, when it comes to, 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 to scheduling, and you might say, well, they could have won a few more games. Well, okay. But, I mean, you know, UCLA, I mean, you know, they played some, some uh, Oklahoma State. I mean, it, it, it's, it's impossible to win all of those games. I mean, you know, Oklahoma's lost games. You know, I mean, you, you, well, I said he, they've lost games. They've lost one. But, okay, <laughs> everybody else has, has lost games. They've done every possible thing that you could do to have a to have a, 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 a as good of a national seeding that they're going to have. And in my opinion, if uh, if they wind up with like a 14 seed, they just soon as well, you know, not play a lot of those big-time games because it, it, it could actually wind up hurting them more than, than helping them because, in my opinion, they've done everything that they could possibly do this year to be ranked pretty high. I agree. All right. Sometimes we make statements, and I don't think, you know, and even some of us even nod, yeah, okay, that makes sense, but we don't really grasp it. I, I you know, I, I, I hear all these Astro fans, I read tweets and Facebook posts, and all these people are just in total angst right now. Throughout the offseason, I said, there is no way the Astros bullpen is going to pitch as well this year as it did last year because it might have been the best bullpen performance in the history of the major leagues. And I'm not joking. So why does peop- why do people not understand there are going to be rocky moments this year? This is not this this had no chance of being like this. They had no chance of duplicating last year's bullpen performance. Well, it's kind of, but it, yet people get it when it comes to like a pitcher pitching a perfect game. They say, "Oh well, can't expect that again." Well, you know why is it so far fetched to to say that you know a bullpen which you know pitched about as good as they could possibly pitch last year? Why is it in, why is it in, uh, so crazy to say that you know they can't do that again? You know, I, it's it, it, they they can have good years and still be a disappointment to some people because. Those people are expecting, like, you know, unrealistic expectations. The Golden State Warriors, you know, when they won 72, 70 games, 72 games, you know, whatever they won, oh, well, they're not going to do that the next year. Well, okay, well, yeah, you get that. But why don't you get when a player or uh, or a bullpen, uh, uh, in other words, a group of individuals, 
why don't you get that at the time? So sometimes people get it, and other times they don't. It, it, it's, it is amazing. Uh, I'm hoping that we're going to see Brantley, but the way they're, this this weekend, but the way I'm hearing, I, I don't know. I, it, uh, it's a concern. Uh, you know, he's, he's got a chronic shoulder, and now he's, uh, he's supposedly more sore than he's been lately. He's on the trip. But he's not taking any swings. And, uh, you know, Baker and, and, and the Astros over the last couple of years, they've been tight-lipped about it. I'm not ripping on them. I'd probably be the same way. But I wouldn't expect, uh, I wouldn't expect Michael Brantley to be in an Astro uh, uniform at least over the next couple of weeks. That's disappointing. You know, Lance McCullers threw. Apparently he hit 91 velocity. But understand that he's going to be throwing for a couple of more weeks and then he's going to need a spring training. So you're probably looking at – at mid-June for uh, for him, and then apparently now um, uh, Mauricio Dubon has a little bit of a hamstring issue, and Jose Abreu is injured. They're just not seeing what the injury is. Uh, I, I don't know if that's something maybe to cover up for the fact that maybe they're going to give him a little time off, uh, let him rest himself mentally, and then send him down to, to AAA for a rehab assignment, whatever the case. But you know, uh, they're, they're acknowledging that Abreu hurt they're just not saying exactly what it is right now. well and you know you can't have every somebody's got to play but but I'm okay with like being like you know are they playing great no but it's not like they're in bad position I mean you know that there's no reason to rush people back if they're not ready to play well you know I, I agree I mean you know, especially a guy like Brantley you know because again he is older he's had some chronic issues if, if he's not ready to play Simply don't let him play. But Colors has had a, a, a history of injury. I mean, you know, it is what it is. I mean, uh, I, I said, I look, I like Lance McCullers. But the bottom line is, he, 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 as long as he's an Astro, as long as he's in the major leagues, the team that has him has to expect, you know, injuries from time to time. I, I love looking at the Laker game, you know, last night. And Anthony Davis, so look, I get it. You get hit in the face. So look, this is kind of easy for me to say. I didn't get hit in the face. You get hit in the face, and it could be it, it could it could be a lot more difficult than what it looks. And a guy like Kevin Looney, I mean, that guy's six ten. I mean, he's a big guy. He hits you. It's going to hurt a little bit. But you know, Anthony Davis gets hit the, uh, on the side of the face with a forearm, and he needs a wheelchair. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it didn't look as serious as what some people uh, were saying at the end of the game. Now they're saying he didn't have a concussion, but what is Anthony Davis? That's a guy that's been injury-prone throughout his career. Some people are just more injury-prone than others. But, yeah, getting back to, to Brantley and, and, uh, and McCullers, you got to give them a little extra time if need be because those are guys that have been injury-prone throughout their career. Yeah, I think it's good that McCullers is hurt right now because, you, like you say, he's never going to finish the season. So if he starts it late, then he actually might finish the season. All right, before we let you go, is there any uh, Lafayette Recreation and Parks uh, news you need to let people know about before we let you go? Well, we're right smack dab in the middle of our, our, our baseball season. Uh, you know, we had our final track meet rained out uh, last week. Of course, it, it came down in buckets in some part of the Acadia area. Uh, the early part of the last Saturday. We're looking for uh, a, uh, a final date to be able to do that tr- a final track meet. So we'll certainly pass it al- along to you. And we got the postseason of the junior NBA that's going to be happening at various gyms in June. But I'll certainly talk about that as we, uh, as we roll along. I'm also under the impression. You know who's one of the more underrated, Cats, Kevin? Who's that? Ray Combs. I mean, you talk about family feuds. Look, Steve Harvey does a great job right now. I'm not saying that he does 
Everybody remembers Richard Dawson, you know, the original host of uh, uh, Family Feud. I think Ray Combs was very good for a long time, and nobody even remembers who he is. <laughs> that, that is true. Uh, nah, I, don't, I don't know. I wouldn't vote for him, but I, 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 that, that's a fair point. Is, uh, Sham, is Sham the most underrated racehorse of all time? Sham ran second to Secretariat in 1973. Secretariat set the, the track record. Still stands today. Sham ran a length and a half behind. So he's obviously has a better time than most every other horse that has won. I think there's only two horses other than Secretariat that have had a better time than Sham. So is Sham the most underrated race horse? It all could time? be. That could be. You're right. Well, I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's Ray Combs though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Been your pleasure. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot. We have with us Craig Melanson. How are you, sir? I am doing well. I'm hoping the rain stays away today so we can get some softball in. A- absolutely. So we've got kind of two things, several, you know, I don't know that anybody really knows from moment to moment, day to day, what to think of the Cajun baseball program. You know, every time things start to look like they're heading in the right direction. They kind of go in the other direction. And like Coach Deggs always says, you got to just stay the course and try to be the same guy every day and keep going, which, you know, most fans are not real good at doing that. So that's a challenge. And then we got softball. So where are you in all that? Well, I thought Tuesday night was a very disappointing loss, maybe the biggest one of the season. Um, Louisiana Tech is not very good. And after coming uh, – you know, going up to Monroe and taking care of business there, the Catesons did exactly what they needed to do. And then, uh, I, I don't know, it's just it, very frustrating sometimes with this team. So, uh, still love them, still going to go watch them play, still be in Montgomery, but very frustrating. You know, it it went back to the problem they had a lot last year that was the big focus of the offseason, no freebies, and they, and they gave away, I think it was 10 freebies. So, um, you know, again, at this point in the season, that game in, of, in and of itself doesn't really matter that much, but just how you got to that end is troublesome still to see that moving forward. Yeah, I think we really needed that game uh, just to see how the bullpen would uh, would react and how they would play. Uh, I, I I heard you talking a lot about uh, midweek games this far into the season, but at the same time, you know, the guys are off of school now. They've been off since last Friday. I really think you need to have something to do to get them focused and maybe – this is the punch in the mouth that gets them focused for the rest of the season. Well, well, you know, that 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 remains to be seen. Baseball is such a day-to-day game. It's so hard to to monitor and gauge all of that. So, one thing though that I don't know if if, if it's 
fun or comforting or disconcerting or whatever. It keeps you on your toes. Like, you really have no idea, pitching staff-wise, like who's about to start, who's going to pitch in a lot of a lot of innings. I mean, it's um, it certainly keeps us on our toes going into each weekend. And, you know, we, we look we look at baseball and all sports as in a tunnel. We focus on our team and think that we're horrible or we're great, and we don't look at everything around the league. And I think there is as much as we're struggling, I think every team in the league is struggling with pitching right now. So I'm not too worried. It's nice to score. I think you're going to have to score eight runs a game sometimes, maybe 10, maybe 12. But at the same time, you've got to get better on the mound. Well, again, if you just – when you're in that situation, it's the same thing we were talking about with LSU earlier this week. When you when when your offense is better than your pitching – it's okay to give up hits. You just don't want to give stuff to them. You're going to give up hits. You understand that. But when you give stuff to them and you give up hits, that's when it can be too much to overcome. So we'll see what happens. Now, on the softball side, um, you know, obviously rain is a factor. But do you like the fact that the Cajuns will be playing ULM, who they just got finished beating three times, or from just a pure, not an RPI, but a pure softball standpoint, would you have preferred to play Georgia State? No, I, I think uh, I, I would prefer to play ULM. Uh, it's a team that uh, they've played in recently, so I think they know what to do. Uh, Georgia State, I don't know if we faced Georgia State this year or not. No, uh, didn't. In, no? Did so not play them. I, I, I think Georgia State is one of those teams that could jump up and bite you sometimes. Whereas, I mean, I hate to say it's ULM, but at the same time, it, it's ULM. You know, they're not as good as uh, as the Cajuns, and the Cajuns should take care of business easily. I think. All right. So, looking down the road, in terms of not just hopefully, you know, obviously the plan is to win the Sunbelt Conference tournament. Certainly not a lock. We'll see how that plays out, and then going into a regional. What's your? What are you? What are you the most confident about with this team from what you've seen, especially recently, and what is still your biggest concern going looking ahead for this team? Well, I think the confidence-wise, I, I think uh, they're very sound, still hitting. There, there can be times um, that they get lose their focus on pitching, but I think we're far enough into the season, and we've seen the emotion with senior day already and everything and and that didn't seem to phase them they were able to take care of business and especially with the three seniors on the mound and you've got you know you still have sam landry that can come off the uh, that that can start a game or come off the bench so it, it's softball is just a bigger game i think overall i expect them to, to be a 12 or a 13 seed maybe 11 but i have no confidence in the committee ranking them any higher than 11. Well, no, and I, I look. I'll be happy with thirteen, uh, and I, I, you know, I, I'd really prefer twelve. But I mean, may, look, maybe we're being overly pessimistic. Steve's talking ten and eleven. I almost fell out of my chair when he said that in the last segment. That look, that would be tremendous. But I, I don't, I don't expect it to happen. But we'll, we'll, we'll find that out on. Um, on Sunday evening, but for now, you know, they just you you. you 
you got to put your best foot forward, you, it seems, to even give yourself a chance to get any of those numbers above 14. And um, by that, you need to continue to be dominant in the conference tournament. You need to be dominant. You need to play the, the higher RPI teams. You know, uh, I don't like the fact that we, we don't have divisions and all of a sudden you get Marshall a number two seed because they were on the supposed east side of the division. Uh, I just think that's foolish. If you're not going to play it all year long, why, why are you doing that at the end of the season? Well, again, you kind of schedule in divisions, but you, 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 why play? You know, you just can't play games. There's no reason not to be transparent. Like that should have been something that was done on the standings all year long. If you're going to do that, like why try to like hold this, this coach voted the beginning of the year that half the coaches even forgot about and no one in the public or media was really informed about. Like, why why keep it a secret? I, I don't get it. I, I really don't. Uh, and maybe it was there all year long uh, if you went to the championship page. But I know, ha- <clears throat> excuse me, I know halfway through the season, baseball, the championship schedule had, was not up in baseball. And, and you know, and the same thing with softball. Probably looking at that, so that that is frustrating. I, I don't. I I think there are times the league needs to step in and say this is what's going to happen, and they have not done that in baseball with all the rain that we've had the last couple of years. And the league is you can't wait till you get to Montgomery, Montgomery or Lafayette, and say, okay, guys, coaches, what do you want to do now? Because at that point, you're, you're doing what's best for your team. You're not doing what's best for the league. And that's frustrating. The league, I like the fact that the league's stepping up. I like the fact that the, this was decided at the beginning of the year and not uh, at the end of the season. But it's still very frustrating that they're not that transparent. All righty, sir. Well, we'll see what happens. We appreciate your time. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Oh, pleasure cruise. Pleasure Cruise. Now, a sports career where things seemingly came easy as the player was surrounded by the best players, the best coaches, and caught all the breaks. Also known as Tom Brady's career. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline 706-0111. Um, we were just referring to rain and obviously hoping to get all the games in in the Sunbelt Conference softball tournament, which began yesterday. And kind of crazy how it works. What did the first game go 10 innings? No one scored forever. One, it happens all the time. It's like no one scores forever, and then a team scores, and the other team responds. It's like zero, 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 zero. The other team scores, and the other team scores again. It's crazy. But uh, um, 
Coastal Advance, and as we mentioned in the last segment with Craig, ULM Advance, and is scheduled to play the Cajuns at 7 o'clock tonight. Over in Sulphur, it has been, you know, you could tell, uh, or we, you know, I think a lot of us could tell, when we interviewed Coach Phillips a couple days ago, the Eunice coach, and he talks about how he's a big weather watcher, especially in baseball season. And you could tell in his voice, it did not sound good. And it hasn't been good. You know, it is what it is. I don't know that anything could really be done about it. But it's tough, like, if you're St. Thomas Moore, and whether you're STM or E.D. White, your season to end, you know, you're playing at like 11 o'clock at night. And, you know, you've been waiting around all day and they had, what, a four-hour rain delay and you just, you know, the game starts and then it stops and it's just, it's so upsetting when you think about the fact that, you know, all you know, the season you start practicing way back in January and, and you go through the whole season and you, you're doing everything to build up to this moment of the state tournament and then that's what the, your your state tournament experience is. Wait, 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 start, stop, wait, start, stop, and then you're playing until 11 o'clock at night. It's just, look, I understand the old, you know, both teams have to do it and all of that. It's not that I, one team had an advantage over the other. It's just whether it was STM that won or Edie White that won, it's just a rough way for your season to end. It's just not optimal. Um, not optimal at all, but yeah, if you did not get the word, STM lost two to one last night. Uh, in a, I, I don't know exactly what time it finished, but it was you know between ten thirty and eleven o'clock. It might have been eleven o'clock. Might have been after a little after eleven. It, it was late. Whatever it was, it was um, it was late, and that's you know like I always say about the Astros when they play these really long games, if you're going to play 15, 16, 17, 18 innings, it's okay, but you better win. I mean, because when you play, when you have to wait that long or you play that many innings and you lose, it's just, it just feels double worse. I mean, it just rough, rough way. All right, so to my knowledge, and I don't know that they're going to play it because I'm sure weather, weather is still a, a major factor in sulfur today is my understanding that Notre Dame, who was supposed to play at 11 a.m. yesterday, is scheduled to play at 2 today. And Eunice, who was scheduled to play at 11 a.m. today originally, I, my understanding is they're, they're thinking or they're scheduled now to play at 2 today as well. I don't know how all that works. Um, it is, you know, I say all the time, golf and baseball and softball are great sports. But weather just can just mess it up. I mean, just really, really mess it up. And that's what's happening. You know, any of us who have ever covered, like, the state softball tournament or the state baseball. Softball is a little easier because you can, I don't know, you can get, seem like you can play more games in a quicker time most of the time. I don't know. It's just, it's tough. Tough, and we'll hopefully Notre Dame and Eunice can get their games in today, but overall, it's not been a good job. You know, we had four teams from the Acadiana area in the state baseball tournament in Sulphur. OC got beat to the one seed of Washtenaw Christian, and then STM lost a heartbreaker last night, 2-1 to one, to Edie White. So um, the only two teams left are Notre Dame, which 
has deep pitching, so that could help in a situation like this, especially if you end up, you know, who knows when you're going to have to play the games if you make all the way to the finals and Eunice. And so we'll see what happens to those teams. And uh, good good luck to them today because it, it, it's just it's just mentally hard. I mean, you know, and, you know, from a media standpoint, it's, it's a nightmare to cover because you don't, I mean, you don't want to send people out there like yesterday – you know, you have riders that are out there and, and and to cover two games and they ended up, you know, may, may end up covering none, you know, or, or have to wait till, I don't know. It's just a nightmare. But I don't know that there's a clear-cut answer with all that. It just kind of is what it is. Um, and you hope for that rain will treat everyone better in Sulphur and in Lafayette from here on out. All right, that's one hour down. We'll come back. With another hour, open phone line. So if you want to comment on any of these debates that we're having, UL softball, Lakers, whatever, one more hour to do so. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome. Into footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game, broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction, simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. Open phone lines uh, at the game hotline if you, all this entire hour. And, again, we've kind of had two debates going in the last week. One is this whole notion of, you know, did the Lakers do the right thing by kind of going all in on game five when, most, when I think most of us would agree were thinking Golden State was going to win. Like, if they had any pride after botching the end of game four, and they kind of needed to win this game. And then, of course, we don't know the severity of it, but Anthony Davis got hit in the face, and we'll see what that means moving forward. Anyway, you look at it, you know, LeBron played 39 minutes. Anthony Davis played 32 minutes. Uh, certainly, they're, you know, a little less tread on the tire for an old team. And so, you know, we can have that debate. We've also been debating for, well, not just this week. We've been debating this for a month, it seems like now, for the Cajun softball team. And, again, we understand we're, we don't – what we say has no bearing on what the committee's going to do or no bearing on what the Lakers are going to do. But that's what Sports Talk Radio is all about is discussing these things. And I try – to as much as possible be what I call a first guesser. Um, Like if I don't say something ahead of time, I'm not saying I'm not going to comment on it after, but I'm not going to be nearly as adamant about it if I didn't comment about the subject before it actually happens. Call that being a first guesser. Um, So, you know, certainly if you want to weigh in on any of that, the Knicks stayed alive last night. I don't I don't really think that I really I don't really think that's going to change that I re, I still expect the heat to beat them 
in game six. We'll see what happens. I don't feel like maybe it's because I really, really want the Celtics to lose. But I don't even know it's that as much as the Sixers. They always, every time they seem to be where like they're in the catbird seat or they just feel like things are going their way, they always seem to mess it up. Like Doc Rivers has done that, not just in Philly, but like in his career as a head coach. Every time it seems like he his team is holding some cards or more cards than you would than you expected them to be holding, they always seem to mess it up. So, look, I I hope the Sixers win at home. It'll be like what twenty two years since they've reached the conference finals. I don't. I don't think they've been here since, you know, Allen Iverson. So, a little over two decades ago, when he just kind of wheeled that team to the to the final to the NBA finals, and they really weren't that good. But it was what it was. I mean, he he was a great player, and um, they were able to get through. So, you know, this is a big moment. Big moment for the Sixers. They can they can advance. They can eliminate the Celtics, who a lot of people, even before they knew the Bucks were getting upset in the first round, you know, kind of penciling in the Celtics into the NBA Finals, and that has not been the case. So, again, we've talked about it quite a bit in recent weeks. We thought most of us thought the West was going to be up for grabs and the East was going to be chalk. Well, neither one of them has been chalk. I mean. Not even close. So I kind of like that. But I, I just, I don't trust the Sixers. I hope they do well. James Harden has a, a history of not getting it done when he really needs to get it done in postseason play. Hopefully he reverses that. Hopefully they continue to get good production from Maxi because they're going to probably need it. And, you know. Some of us are pulling for the Sixers. Some of us are pulling against the Celtics. And some of us are doing both. I'm kind of both. I, I I have never disliked. I've always kind of pulled for the Sixers. I've pulled for them against, you know, the Celtics forever. And, you know, back in the days of Caldwell Jones and Dawkins and Bobby Jones and Dr. J and even before Andrew got there, when Andrew was at UL and, and, and they were playing – uh, that those ugly Portland Trailblazer teams with Dave Torzik and oh man, those I hated those Bill Walton. If anybody ever needed to play for the Celtics, it was Bill Walton. But anyway, um, they uh, you know I, I've been you know pulling for the Sixers since then, and I always kind of liked them. Not over the Lakers, but always kind of liked them. And so yeah, I got I, I hope they win. We'll we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think the Nuggets are going to do this as well. So, I mean, I'm hoping. I, I think I think I feel less confident in the Lakers than any of them. Well, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, Anthony Davis is okay. Hopefully, they can continue to play really well at home, which they've done so far in the playoffs. And, uh, man, if it, you know, Heat, now I've never been a big fan of the Heat, to be honest, but the Heat and the Sixers and the Lakers and the Nuggets, that would be, that would be tremendous. That's what I vote for. So hopefully that, that's what happens. We'll see. I just, 
I'm, wor- I'm more worried about the Lakers and the Sixers than I am about the other two things, uh, th- those other two series, and we'll see what happens. Yesterday, right before the show ended, we got the Foster Morrow news that he signed a three-year deal with the Saints. Now, Foster, Jesuit, LSU, when he came out, he was considered more of a blocking tight end and probably ended up, well, I don't think, I think more than probably, ended up being a better receiving target than like a lot of the, you know, when he came out, what the, the his draft profile was or what people's expectations of him were. So I think he's kind of both, which is good. So my question is, typically the Saints have three tight ends. They're a, they're a more of a heavy tight end team than most teams in, 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 foot, in offenses today. Now, you know, I don't know how, you know, when, 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 um, when Casper was here, he was a big tight end guy. So we'll see moving forward if this continues to be, you know, if Cormichael, how, how that plays out compared to how Casper did it. But typically there are three tight end teams so and utilize them a lot. So my question is whether it's Lucas Kroll coming up, but, you know, if they're going to add, do you add a receiver or a blocker? Because I think Morrow – is a good blocker, and he gives you receiving skills. Johnson was a really good blocker for a big wide receiver, not as much of like an expert blocker for a receiving tight end, but he's gotten, but he's not inept there. He's, he's okay there. So it'll be interesting to see um, if they add a third tight end. It's not going to be someone high profile. I think it's going to be more of a blocking tight end, but – We'll see. Yeah, Moreau actually graded pretty poorly in run blocking last year. It's something I was looking into a little more, and I, I always I don't know about grading out run blockers. You know, I don't I don't sit there with a chart grading it out myself. But I saw from a couple of different things that he wasn't graded out highly in that area last year, which actually really surprised me because the Raiders were a very good running football team, and he's the better blocker between himself and Darren Waller. Yes. So um, that was something that surprised me to see, and I'd be I'd be interested to see again. Sometimes those grades. Are uh, you know it's it's a little subjective of how it's done, but uh, that was something I came across. Which leads me even more to believe that if if they add another one, it's not going to be like if you go online and you say, oh, okay, what are the Saints' options? At t-? I don't think it's going to be anybody that either they even you know it's not going to be one of these more higher profile receiving tight ends. If they get another tight end, it's going to be an old school blocker, and you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's what they they need to be able to block. Look, I, I never bought the whole Batman's a tight end thing. I you know I don't even consider him a tight end. I mean, he wasn't a tight end last year. Like the whole tight end thing, never. I never I never bought all of that. I it just I don't even consider him a tight end or even one of the options at tight end. He's he's what he is, but he's certainly not a tight end. I mean, if you and so. I don't I don't consider that an option even though people keep saying that um that they, you know that he could fit into that I don't cause, so I expect him I kind of think at some point they're going to add 
you know, they're going to have a blocking tight end and to kind of round it out, and they're going to be fine there. Now, again, I, I'm different than most of you. I wasn't. I was more hopeful of the tight end position going into last year than just about anybody was, and I was more hopeful uh, in this offseason about the tight end position. I, 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 I guess I'm just too glass half full for my own good sometime, but but I, I, I was not as down. Now, did it need improvement? Absolutely. But I was from the beginning, even going back to last year, I was not nearly as down on the tight end Saints tight end position as as most Saints fans and analysts that I know have been. So I, I, I'm, I'm fine with tight end. So, I mean, I don't know that they, barring injury, that they absolutely have to go bad at this position or that position. Uh, not have any idea what they think of, you know, some of their totally unproven linebacker depth, I guess linebacker. Uh, before the draft, I'd have said safety, but they drafted one in the fifth round, so we'll see how he pans out. So they might be okay as far as, because they got a lot of bodies at safety. So I, I don't know that I would say, not, I don't think I would say safety anymore because they drafted one and they already had a lot of bodies there. And then there, you know, there's this certain element of Saints fandom that are just convinced that Smoke Monday's fixing to be Sammy Knight or something. I don't know what they think Smoke Monday's going to be, but they, I mean, he's got in this incredible name. But I mean, like, what what do these people think he's going to be? I don't know. Oh, look, hopefully, he turns out to be great. I I don't I don't have anything against him. He's got. I mean, it'd be if he makes the team and plays. It's going to be Jubilee Dunbar Smoke Monday. I mean, for the best names in Saint history. So, you know, that'll that'll give us that to look at. But no, I I don't know what they think he's going to be. But hopefully, he makes a team and contributes. I I just want it done. So, I guess I'd say if they if if I was going to say okay, what did this was if they're going to make another move soon or anytime between now and camp, what should it be? I guess a linebacker. I've heard this Jarvis Landry talk got nothing against Jarvis Landry but he never plays so like I don't know I'm struggling with the idea of okay you've got an injured receiver who's your best one of your best players he never plays and so we need an insurance policy for him so let's go out and sign someone else that never plays does that that's kind of like that's almost like the logic of okay I got I gotta win one more game so let me max let me maximize the, ch- the game that I don't really have a very good chance to win and minimize the, ch- the game I really have a good chance to win. What? Like, I- I'm struggling with that logic. So I, so I vote no on Jarvis Landry. How about that? That's fair. No. I, uh, I, I don't know. I think you're putting too much emphasis on, on how much of an impact that one game, that minimizing your effort is going to have helping you to play better in the next game. I don't know if it's as big a deal as you're making it out to be. Then why do we load manage all year? For for the cumulative effect then, of then, then why don't we play three games in a row hardly ever anymore? If it doesn't matter, if fatigue does not play. I'm not a role saying in it doesn't it. matter. I'm saying it's not as impactful as you're making it out to be. But you're still minimizing instead I don't of maximizing. Know if you're minimizing, I think that's just a strong word. I have to Man, you love losing playoff games on purpose, huh? <laughs> hey, see, that's a good statement. I like that one. No, I, I like maximizing my, my effort. 
I, 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 that's what I like to do. I like saving my pitcher for the best game. Now, again, the Astros, Every what I'm saying is not 100% true because the Astros a couple years ago, I was like, I want to save Verlander to play in Houston, and they pitched him in Yankee Stadium, and he won. So, uh, you know, it worked out. It's not that what I'm saying is a 100% chance of being right. I'm just playing my odds, and I like maximizing my best chance of winning. But most of America disagrees with me. I get it. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Kevin Foote. The real an award-winning journalist, popular sports talk show host, and a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor. A medicine season of a different strand in 12, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decided to inflict them with, with the, the host bounty gate silliness. His descriptions of illnesses are extremely concise. Not a normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. This out of the blue from Timbuktu and all of this bounty gate silliness. Dr. Foote is ready to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team here with more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, on LUS Fiber. Game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. Again, we are still in the middle. Lots going on. NBA, UL, or LSU baseball, or softball, or McNeese baseball, or softball, all of that. High school baseball state tournaments going on. Certainly things still going on uh, with the NFL. The NFL schedule is going to be released officially tonight. So we can uh, sink our teeth into that a little bit as well. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, good morning. Good morning. So you, you're talking about Jarvis Landry. He does a reason, you know, he's not on the team. Right now. You know, he's bouncing around. You know, there's just a reason. Nobody, I, I don't know. People just don't jail sometimes. Why would you want it if he doesn't? I mean, I don't know. Well, I, I mean, I, I I love his skill set and his leadership and all that, but again, he just uh, he misses too many games. I just can't afford to have another injury prone wide receiver. Yeah, but it's like it's like going to the driving range and you hitting it down the middle every time. But the minute you step on the field, it's like pop off. No, we can't have. He's on crutches. He's doing this. He's doing that. But anyway, if if Anthony Davis was one of the characters in The Wizard of Oz, like the Tin Man or the Scarecrow, what would he be? Because you, all you got to do is touch this guy, and, and he's like in cardiac arrest. I mean, I don't understand. Well, you know, he has he has been injured a lot, no question. And oh, yet, and yet, you know, the, the, the irony thing of that is, the irony of that is, if he was like, Kevin Durant, kind of an off an offensive player and all that. And then you could almost see that you would consider him what would you say soft. But but actually the best thing he does is actually play defense. And yet right. he has this reputation of being soft. That's what's ironic about all that. 
and the and the Bears, that receiver they got. It was it from Carolina? Was that the guy that took his helmet off and threw it? That was the guy that? who took his helmet off. Yes. I mean, really, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to do no more. I, I don't get it. <laughs> you well, know, he's got Kevin, some you know talent. Happen again. You, it's not like he's not skilled. He's got. He's. He'll, he'll be your most talented receiver now. You know how it's going to work out. Who knows? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I'm like you. One, and before I go, so did you see your ex football coach in the <laughs> the video? He was smoking that bomb. Did you oh, see that? Yeah, uh, unbelievable. I mean, if you still if you still don't believe Bounty Gate was a real thing, then you do fool it. This man was high there, Bounty. <laughs> Yo, have a good day. Take care. Oh, I don't, I don't doubt that he got high after, uh, you know, during his suspension. No, I don't doubt that at all. Yeah, that was, that was, that was awful. All right, again, seven zero six zero one 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 seven zero six zero one one one. We were talking about Cajun baseball, uh, and trying to kind of, you know, trying to figure this baseball team out this year. It's almost a futile process. Because, uh, I mean, there's a lot to like, and then there's a lot to be worried about it. It's just kind of an up-and-down kind of situation. Uh, but I really – I don't have a read at all, like, what's about to happen this weekend with Texas State. Obviously, there's so much focus this week on the softball because they're into the postseason already, and it should be that way. But this is a really big baseball weekend, and – I with Texas State coming to town and I just I don't I don't know what to think. I mean, again, it's almost dangerous to think one way or to lean one way or to get gut a gut feeling. Like did anybody have a gut feeling they're going to go to James Madison and just get swept? Like I don't know that anybody whether you're a, a glass half full or glass half empty Cajun fan that I don't know if anybody like you think, well, they might not sweep. They might, you know, they might lose two out of three or or win two out of three. But I don't know that anybody really thought they were going to get swept. And so it's just, you know, they swept Monroe last week, which they needed to do, and they did. And now, you know, you looked at that as a step forward. Doing what you're supposed to do is good, no question. Um and continuing to own a program that you've owned. But then the week before, I thought they kind of outplayed Coastal. They just didn't get the win. And, that you know, that 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 stuff's going to happen sometime. But I don't really know what to expect this weekend. Um, I don't know that they – they threw enough arms, and the most that any of them pitched was like four innings. And so I, I think they, would, they still have access to all those guys as long as they're healthy. Uh, arm wise and innings wise, but who knows how they're going to pitch? And uh, it's just, I do think that the Cajuns lineup is in a really good position. Cause yeah, they lost the game, but they still scored eight runs. Uh, you know, I, it wasn't like they had a bad offensive game. You know, so I. I feel like their offense is where it needs to be. Maybe it would be nice if one more guy who hadn't been hitting too much was made. But, but uh, you know, Max, look, for a while we were asking, is Marshawn going to ever get above the Mendoza line? Well, well, I don't know. what I didn't look today what his batting average was or yesterday, but it was like 256 going in. I mean, 
He's hitting like way above the Mendoza line now. So he um, you know, he he's gotten to where he needs to be. I think Rockefeller's doing better than he's looked in a long time. All season long, really, in, in a lot of ways. And so I think their offense is where it needs to be. And very much like we talk about LSU, you know, they're just gonna have to they're gonna have to win twelve to eight games, ten to seven games in in whether it's this weekend or in the conference tournament. I, I don't remember the exact scores last year when they won off the top of my head in Montgomery, but there was some really good pitching that took place. I mean, Jacob Schultz pitched, and he had an unbelievable pitching performance in Montgomery last year. I just, I don't know if that's even possible this year. I guess Jackson theoretically could do that in a given game. But I, I don't. I just don't even know if that's possible. So well, and the Cajuns kind of benefited from the single elimination reshuffling of the schedule. I think because they didn't have as many arms. I mean, they just didn't have as many as like a team like Southern Miss. Well, and and of course that was before Southern Miss was a part of the conference. But right. This is this is a year where in a double elimination format, like if you don't go the easy route of winning every game and being in the winners bracket, like I I don't know if this team has anywhere near enough pitching to claw their way out of a losers bracket unless you start scoring 10 runs a game which yeah there's not a hole in the lineup anymore like Ben Robichaux is now like a usable piece off the bench not even everyday lineup guy where he was your leadoff hitter for a while and CJ Wills kind of the same way I mean that's that's valuable to have no I, I I agree but now you know we've all seen teams get through a regional using the Johnny Holstaff method you just pitch guys and then you score 10 12 runs and you know like we just said, you win 12 to 8 or 10 to 7 or whatever. I mean, we've seen it happen. It's just um, – and to Craig's point, it's not like everybody – it's not like – you know, I can remember years where certain teams had really good pitching. I, I, I don't know. Does anybody have really good pitching in this conference? I think that's a – I don't know that I've we focused up or not enough on what Craig Craig's point there. I don't know that anybody we've mentioned it, but I don't know that anybody has great like when Coastal came in here, they didn't have great pitching. Southern Miss's pitching is probably better than a lot of teams, but it's nowhere near what it was last year. Uh Texas State had great pitching last year. They haven't had great pitching this year. Um so it's possible to Craig's point that it's not just the Cajuns. Now I think the Cajuns you know, have fewer legitimate starting options than a lot of these teams, but it's possible that it's going to, you know, a lot that most of these teams going to Montgomery in a couple weeks are going to be thinking, we got to hit our way through this tournament. But uh, there's no question that's the situation with, with the cages. And you just hope that every once in a while, one out of every two or three games, someone steps up and does way better than you think they're going to do. You know, and, and you can still score a lot of runs, and that's the formula to winning. But man, I, I have I have no idea what to expect this weekend at Rousseau, and we'll see what happens. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is footnotes on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is footnotes. 
Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. 706-0111, One thing we haven't mentioned yet on this show is it started while we were on the air yesterday in the SEC softball tournament. But Ole Miss beat LSU yesterday and eliminated them. So... That you know, a lot of people haven't thought about the fact that the Cajuns have a win over Ole Miss. It's not a game that we've talked a lot about, and frankly, the Cajuns I thought played terrible in that game. You know, they they played poorly, and they still won. Um, and so that was you know a game you know they had a lead they made some defensive mistakes as i remember and they a lot those defensive mistakes allowed um allowed Ole Miss to get back into it and then the Cajuns won it once they tied it so i mean a win is a win is a win um and yet because they now have a chance to kind of make a little Cinderella run. You know, a team like them is probably more motivated to win in the SEC tournament situation than some of the other teams who know that they're in and they're just trying to get all their ducks in a row for regional play. So we'll see what Ole Miss can do. But do you do we really think that there's no downside for the Cajuns because they have a win over LSU as well of LSU slipping. No, not for me because LSU is still seventh in the RPI even after the loss. So I think there's still a now for LSU. They might have, you know, we'll see if they still get a national seed. They're going to be a host, but will they still get a top eight national seed to host through the supers? That'll be interesting. That could be a big missed opportunity for them if if that loss comes back to bite them in that regard. But for the Cajuns, it doesn't change, which, you know, and that's what I think is kind of funny. Like, I've had, I, I was telling you off air this, this idea that Ole Miss is up to 29. So if they find a way to get a couple more wins and they sneak into the top 25, now it's a top 25 win for the Cajuns. Now, does it matter whether they beat the 26th ranked team or the 25th ranked team? It shouldn't, but when you're a committee that's trying to look at 64 teams, you're going to just, you know, use the shortcuts and you appear in that little top 25 column that right now looks so bad because it says 2-10, and 10, even though 7 of the 10 are top 15 teams and 4 of the 10 are top 5 teams. Um, that could matter. But the funny thing about it is, again, yeah, the LSU, like you have a win over both teams, so I don't know if, if what helps you, what hurts you. You don't have a loss to Ole Miss, so maybe it benefits you more for them to be trying to rise up the ranks. But um, it is interesting. I think you root for Ole Miss from here on out because you didn't play any of the other teams that Ole Miss could play in this tournament. Okay, <laughs> Here's the here's there's a lot of problems I have with this, but here's the thing: Have we ever has anyone ever looked in a mirror and asked themselves, what is it that as a committee, not just for softball, but as a as a process, what is it that we're trying to figure out with all this RPI? What is it that we're trying to figure out? Seem like aren't we trying to figure out like is this a real team or is this just some phony outfit that? 
that, um, you know, creative scheduled its way to a good record? I mean, what is it that we're trying to figure out here? Well, I don't know, but I've had this argument with people all the time about the college football rankings when they say we're looking for the best four teams. I've always said you should never be looking for the best four teams. You should be looking for the four most deserving teams based on the results of what they did on the field. Because my argument to that's always been, well, people go, no, you want the best four. You know, this team's going to play better in the playoff. I've said if you want the best four, then every single year you can put Alabama and Ohio State in and just play for the other two spots. And now Georgia as well. Alabama will always be one of the best four teams. If they lose a couple of games, they won't be ranked in the top four, but they're still one of the best four because they have 72 five-star players on their roster. And then people have always said, well, no, they're not the best team. And I go, look, that's, that's the debate. You're saying you want the best four teams. You don't. You want the best four teams that also have a really good record that are also named brands and will also give you. you know. So I've always said it should be the four most deserving. When they started factoring in injuries to quarterbacks, I was like, that makes no sense whatsoever to me. Why would you factor in an injury to a quarterback? That doesn't matter. And then we saw the year Ohio State when they wanted to almost put them out of the playoff because their quarterback was hurt. They won the title with the third-string quarterback. And, like, I don't understand how you can penalize the rest of the 89 other guys on the roster for a quarterback getting hurt and then play hypotheticals about how valuable the quarterback was to the team. So I've always said you should just go based on the resume, the results that happen on the field. If a team wins, like the year Michigan, you know, had a fluky block punt return for touchdown, well, that happened and they lost the game, and we have to go with it. And I, I, can't, I couldn't believe people were like, that year they were arguing the logic of, well, if, you, if it's not for that fluky punt, they'd be this record. I'm like, well, that doesn't matter because they are. They lost the game. But I do think you have to look at not just the result. Like if the oh, That's ca- fair. If the Cajuns had played this schedule and they had got run-ruled and almost every one of them, then, yeah, I wouldn't give them as much credit. Well, first of all, the Cajuns have been good at softball for 30-something years. Like, what are we trying to establish here? Is this some fly-by-night program? They're the fourth-winningest softball team in the history of the sport. So, and I understand that that doesn't necessarily matter on this year. I'm just trying to, like, figure out, like, what are we trying to determine by all this? It just, I'm just so glad. Like, as a Saints and an Astro fan, if we had to go through this, the Saints and Astros would never make the playoffs. Never. Like, well, even right. last year, the Astros wouldn't have even been in the postseason to win the World Series by this logic. That's why I've, like, I understand the BCS formula wasn't perfect, and I and I don't think it was, like, the end-all, be-all, but it didn't have built-in biases to it that you get when you put adults in a room that all, by the way, have extremely important vetted interests in what's going yeah. on and Just ask them insane. to decide who should play in these tournaments. What are we trying to figure out here? Now, again, I understand, kind of like within the Sun Belt, we're trying to make sure that the Cajuns aren't martial or what Cajun fans' perception of martial right, but, is. And, that's but what we're trying to figure out. My point that would be, I know the RPI, again, it's not perfect, but that's mostly what the RPI does. It, it, it filters that stuff out. And again, I do think you, you're supposed to have people there to correct it. Like, let's say a team, because of the way the RPI works, that was, let's say had Ole Miss's record, which is like 30 and 25, and was up there at 7 or 8 in the, in the RPI, you'd say, okay, well, that's clearly a bit of a calculation error because of the computer valuing these losses so much, whatever. So we could fix that. But when a team like UL, yeah, to their point, they have 40-something wins, they played all these teams, the Sun Belt... The reason their RPI is so high, and I just don't know why people don't get this, is because the Sun Belt is good. It's not the SEC, but it's good this year. There's eight or nine, like pretty good. 
We talked about it. Monroe's going to play him tonight. Monroe's not that bad. And they're the eighth best team in the conference. So I don't know why that it's like this discrowned. Well, they should be 10 spots lower because they play in the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt's part of the reason they're ranked ninth. It, it, it's insanity. The whole process is insane to me, and it always has been. Um, all right. The action has already started, actually. 10 o'clock, uh, South Alabama's the three seed playing James Madison at 1 o'clock all weather permitting and not having 10-inning games like they did yesterday for the first one. The number two seed, Marshall, will play Coastal Carolina. The seventh seed at 4 o'clock, Troy and, and Texas State are scheduled to play, and then the Cajuns are scheduled to play Monroe ULM at 7 tonight. We'll see how how that plays out and if it starts at 7. So, the update in the bottom of the second inning right now, South Alabama is leading James Madison two to nothing. In addition to that, South Alabama, uh, after scoring two runs in the first inning, they have currently runners at second and third and one out in the bottom of the second. So looking really good for the Jags early on. You know, I I didn't I saw a lot of that on TV, a lot of the uh Cajun series at James Madison and I didn't I thought James Madison was fairly impressive I didn't come away unimpressed with them their top four or five hitters like look really good to me in that in that um series and yet it hasn't really played out over the long haul and so far today it's not playing out but we'll um see how that goes and maybe update you one more time in the uh, before we get off uh, of the show, but yeah, currently South Alabama two, James Madison nothing. Runners on second and third, one out in the bottom of the second game one of today's day two of the Sunbelt Conference tournament at Lampson. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is footnotes on the game one zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No, seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10 and 6, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13 to 12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness and ineptness or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote. And footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We've been talking, we talked quite a bit of NBA today, college. Baseball and softball last night, or yesterday afternoon, I should say. The Astros completed a series victory over the little MVPs over there somewhere in La La Land. And um, great pitching performances by Framber Valdez and 
Christian Javier, I'm pretty sure Christian Javier struck out Ward, Trout, and Shohei twice yesterday, back to back to back. You know, he, he uh, for whatever reason, Trout really struggles with Javier. And look, that happens. I mean, you have certain guys who you just, they just kind of own you. But uh, they, so, I mean, he doesn't even really compete against Javier. It's kind of strange. But, um, there's a whole lot of ways to look at things. Like a couple, even now, people, I before they play days, of, of course, the Yankees have always seemingly always been really good. When they play a bad team at home, they just crush them. Like the Astros aren't as good at that. Like they don't just crush really bad teams, especially at home. But the Yankees get a bad team in the Bronx. They just typically just maul them, and that's what they just did with the um, – with the A's at home, but all the angst about the Yankees, they're like four games over 500. Now, look, they're about to open a four-game series tonight against the Rays. We'll see what they do. Um, I mean, most four-game series, in my perception, end up about 2-2. Well, I don't know what's going to happen here. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. But... You know, even the Astros, or the, do the Astros have a great record? No, but it's early. You know, they, they're they waiting on McCullers, like we talked about last hour with Stevie P. They're waiting on Altuve. Um, now Dubon is hurt. Obviously, they're, they're, they're missing Garcia for the year. They've got nothing out of Abreu, and Bregman's off to his typical slow start. And now Enerkiti's hurt as well. So you got all of that working against you, and you're above 500. And I don't look at the standings till June the 1st, but I, I can't believe they're that far out of first place. I mean, it's just, it's early. They're doing fine. I know, I mean, all these people are just panicking. It's like they want to be able to talk trash. Like, this is not football. This is baseball. I mean, this is not about talking trash. It's 162 games. I mean, it's like, this is not like college football. My team wins. I got to go online and talk a bunch of trash about how great my I am and how great the conference. This is baseball. I mean, just look. Now, if the Astros are still this injured, in mid to late August, then we can start looking for panic buttons. We've played about, what, five, maybe six weeks? I mean, we, we got a long way to go. They are not in bad shape. They are, especially considering all the obstacles they've had. They've done fine. Is the, is, do they have certain bullpen guys pitching well? No, but... It, you should have expected that. That's why you got to understand. You, you know, the, the understand this. The higher you go, the further the fall. It's not the higher you go, then you keep going higher. It doesn't work that way. When you, when you come off the best, arguably the best relief pitching season in the history of the game, you don't follow up on that. You ever heard of the Piper? I mean, it just doesn't work that way. So you have to expect some of this or most of it. 
Now, does that doesn't necessarily mean they could have a rocky season and, you know, Stanek was not going to pitch as well as he did last year and all, all of that stuff. But that doesn't mean when they get to the postseason that they can't pitch well. They just have to get all their ducks in a row, get all of that out of their system, and then hopefully be focused and healthy enough to pitch well when it really matters the most. But this idea of expecting them to just go win like 108 games and have the same uh, bullpen success they did last year, that's just la-la land, silly stuff. That's a football mentality. This ain't football. I don't understand why people don't get that. After all these years, they still don't get it. We still don't understand what a, how to get – just sit there and count from 1 to 162. And when you get at about 102, you realize you've been counting for a while. It takes a long – it's a long season. Everybody just needs to chill. All these, you know, whether you're in. Now, look again. If you're an Oakland A fan, your season was doomed before the season started. I'm not talking about the Oakland A's. Some of these teams are just dreadful, and we knew that going in. I'm talking about just about everybody else. It's a long way to go. A long way to go. Like the Mets, all the, I'm sure everybody in Metland, they're all just panicking. They're like about a 500 team. They're in fine shape. They got a long way to go. A lot of opportunities. Everybody just needs to chill. Hopefully the rain holds off. Y'all have a nice day.